The definition of force majeure is an excusable delay in performance due to an unforeseen event. You might have a complete failure at one end or no demand at the other. And I think what you really have to do now is sit and reevaluate all of your contracts. Just so we all know, we have no idea when the pandemic will be over. And so I would really keep on top of these suppliers so that you know when this date is and they have it in advance of you wanting to start up your demand. Force majeure, literally a greater force and legally an unforeseeable circumstance that prevents someone from fulfilling a contract. It would be hard to find a more fitting example of force majeure than the coronavirus of 2019. Welcome to Global Sourcing Insights from SIPS. I'm Bob Rosbach, and for this edition of our series of programs on the coronavirus crisis, we've invited Mark Greco to join us. Mark is a highly respected supply management contract attorney. He assists clients in contracts from bid through performance. Mark is also a well-traveled educator for procurement professionals, often presenting supply management contract training on behalf of SIPS. Welcome, Mark. Hi, thank you for having me. And of course, joining me is sourcing guy himself, Bill Michaels, VP Operations for SIPS Americas. Welcome, Bill. Hey, thanks, Bob. Good to be here. So the very first question, uh, Mark, with coronavirus all around us, is there any supply contract of any kind that is truly enforceable right now? Are we at that point where force majeure essentially applies to every contract universally? Or are we, we, are we there yet? So let's, let's define force majeure and what it really means for people. And it sits in the contract. The typical words, if I, you know, I've been doing training for about 20 years now, and the typical response I get from students if I bring up what is force majeure is they usually say acts of God. And that's really not the technical answer to the question. The definition of force majeure is an excusable delay in performance due to an unforeseen event. Those unforeseen events have a big heading, acts of God, but there's, there's a typical list, fire, flood. You know, in this case, we're gonna be talking about a pandemic or an epidemic, but things outside of their control. It is not termination of a contract, and that's really important for everybody to understand. It is not the ability to charge you more for whatever it is you're buying, it is a delay in performance, the, the view being you will pick up performance again right where you left off when this unforeseen event ends. And all contracts, to answer your question, all contracts continue to grind on. You know, I have lawsuits that are still moving along in the courts, judges still holding hearings and contracts. I would tell you contracts are more important than ever. However, Everybody has to go and re-examine their contracts. Sure. Now, is force majeure something that ripples up and down the supply chain? In other words, my supplier deals me the FM card, it plays the FM card for force majeure, so I pass it up to my customer who passes it up to their customer all the way to the OEM and onto the consumer? It's an interesting question. It all, first of all, I think it all depends on how well-crafted your attorney wrote that force majeure clause. And, and before I go any further, let me just say one thing. I'm a lawyer, this is a podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, I don't know about you. And hopefully you have an in-house attorney 
or counsel that you can go consult to make sure that some of the things that we're going to talk about are correct for your organization. So you, you need good legal advice to kind of back up what we're talking about. And then with that said, it all depends on how you wrote that force majeure clause. So for example, did you give yourself an exception in the event of a, of a limitation of supply and is limitation of supply one of the force majeure events that you listed in your clause? You see what I mean? So exactly. yeah, yeah, it could or it could not apply. But I, I think in this day and age, we're going to move into this very interesting thing of how enforceable are the contracts and what are gonna what is going to happen to the contracts during this force majeure period. And and one more thing, I just want to point out for everybody listening, you said uh, 2019. As we sit here today, it's just about April 1st, 2020. So we're three months into this pandemic with at least a month to go. So, so we're, we're, this is not a short event. It's not a, it's not a fire that's done in a day. Yes. Mark, yes. Mark, I'd like to take and, and ask you a little bit about that limitation of supply because as a, a procure manager practitioner uh, in, in a past life, you know, I always came out with allocations and uh, how, how do companies decide to allocate? Sometimes they decide to allocate, to their best customers, uh, the most material. And so if you're not one of the best customers, if you're down the line, or if you're in a product that they want to uh, get rid of, you know, how do you manage uh, allocation? Well, first, hopefully you have that matter of allocation taken care of. And a great place to put that allocation is in your force majeure clause. So for example, you would put in that language, like when I write it, I say, force majeure shall not be a reason that you can put me on allocation or raise your price that you're going to charge me. And for everybody listening to this podcast, as part of this podcast, I'm going to give you about three examples of force majeure clauses. So you'll be able to see in writing different force majeure clauses, how long that language is, how complex that language is, and the severity of the language across, say, three different force majeure examples. Fantastic. So do, do people have pandemic clauses in their contracts uh, right now? Uh, did this... Did this even exist in contracts? Well, I have to say I'm writing a pandemic clause now. I hope it turns out great. Uh, there's, there has been no such thing as a pandemic clause. However, in a very well-written, and, and just for everybody's uh, knowledge, we're talking force majeure, but there's a lot of other clauses that you deal with in this pandemic. But as far as a, pan, as a pandemic clause goes, if you go to the force majeure section, a good force majeure clause, we'll call it a modern one, has what is force majeure and then what is not force majeure. And if you read the list of what is force majeure, a pandemic is listed specifically in a good force majeure clause. So, so good lawyers have listed that word in force majeure. I think in this modern day and age, what's going to happen though is we're going to put a big giant pandemic clause. So now I'm a... Uh tier one or tier two supplier, for instance, and I'm going to be caught in a vice. Uh, if I have demand for my product for my customer, I may not be able to meet the demand because my suppliers are shut down because of the coronavirus. On the other hand, if my customer shuts down or sales plummet, I may be stuck with components and no customers. So how are contracts generally written to keep uh, people out of that squeeze? Because right now the coronavirus is 
uh, squeezing us on both sides of the supply chain. It really is. And, you know, the interesting thing is normally throughout, so let's say through the bid process, you would probably do a forecast and get forecasts from both sides. So you know your demand that in the supply chain, if you're sitting in the middle of the supply chain, you would know your demand from your customers and you would know what you can get from your suppliers and you'd be able to coordinate the two. But now we don't know. You might have a complete failure at one end or no demand at the other. And I think what you really have to do now is sit and reevaluate all of your contracts and see where you're at, both on supply and demand, and then take a look at everything and see where you're at. I don't think this will be a one-size-fits-all solution. And my hope is that everybody where, where some demand uh, is less, other demand is more. You know, there's some sectors out there that are still grinding on and doing business, and there's not going to be a, uh, a delay in that. Sure. There's, uh, I, I know people who are working for Target and, and, <laughs> and other places that are doing maintenance on like delivery trucks, and they're busy, busier than heck right now. Um, so it should, if I'm reviewing every contract, many of my uh, contracts are sort of automated. I, we were talking to somebody from uh, Vitex Pharmaceuticals uh, not too long ago, and she said that basically they, sh she kind of like turned off her ERP system, her automated uh, systems, and had to go to sort of man-to-man -man defense, uh, as it were, and really calling every single supplier. Is that what people should be doing right now to find out exactly what's going on day-to-day? You might, in a perfect world, my answer would be yes, but I have uh, people I teach who do a thousand contracts, 2000 in a week. So that's just, I don't think that that's feasible. So what I would do, and I, I sat and kind of thought about how I would handle this if I had, you know, 4,000 contracts in a month is I would do a couple things. Uh, first thing is I would separate contracts into the short purchase orders where you're just executing off of a big master agreement. Okay. Those are, I'm not quite, those you can shut off. For example, the, the monthly purchase order for things that are going to go in your facility. Now, what I'm concerned about is the big master agreements. So we're going to take the master agreements and we're going to divide those into three categories. And we're going to use that old traffic light system that you used to learn about which is green light, yellow light, red light. So green light is those contracts are still chugging along. Yellow light, you don't know what's going on. And red light is they have ground to a halt and the contracts are not going. And I think if you move your contracts into those three categories, you can start to look at it. And actually, the, the biggest thing I had to sit and think about is which one would be the most important. And I would tell you, I think the yellow lights are probably the most important to look at because we don't know whether those are stopping or continuing and we need to understand what's happening to those. So eventually, if you take a look at all of your yellow light contracts, you'll put them in the red light or the green light category, and then we can start to move forward with the two existing categories. Mark, Mark, what about when we start back up and, and uh, your, your company's ready to go, but the supply base is not? How, how do you manage th those and what do you recommend for that? And then I have another follow-up question. Well, let's go to the typical force majeure. And that's a great question. Let's go to the typical force majeure clause. One thing I tell people is you have to remember about force majeure. You as the buyer, 
you control the date the force majeure event ends. So you have to send notice to your suppliers that you believe force majeure is over and it's time to start back up again. And I would actually go to your suppliers and say, give me a kind of a self audit of where you're at and what's going on so that you know this. But, but just so we all know, we have no idea when the pandemic will be over. It could be over in two weeks or a month. And so I would really keep on top of these suppliers so that you know when this date is and they have it in advance of you wanting to start up your demand again. And then my follow-up question is, what if you're in an industry like GM or Tesla or, or Ford, where the government's now come to you and told you turn on ventilators and you have to build all these contracts for something you haven't built in the past? Well, you're kind of stealing my thunder for, for the end of the uh, podcast, because uh, first thing I want to say is there is a wonderful opportunity for all companies here to contribute and be uh, valuable and to help out in the effort. And you actually said one of the things. So for example, one of the things that's occurring out there is there's a, a project that's called Open Source Ventilator Project. And in that project, companies like the ones you mentioned are contributing and making ventilators and they are changing how they do business to kind of help in the effort. And I think that's great. Uh, there's so many, we can have a totally separate podcast on that if you want to contribute. But I think for the, for the time being, I would say if you have to make sure that if you're one of these organizations that is going to contribute, that you determine when you're going to stop contributing and get back to the business at hand, as we'll call it. So, so don't, don't lose sight of what you really do. But I think there's, I would look at it as a completely new opportunity for some companies to do things they never thought they would ever be doing. Before. Okay. That makes sense. And, and, and what about the liability for those people going into a business they haven't been in before? Yeah, yeah. And that's why I was like, we could have a completely not another podcast for this. you got to be really careful. Okay, there's several issues that are going on here. Number one, uh, intellectual property concerns, which is you might contribute and add knowledge, but have no ownership of a quote unquote ventilator. Number two, liability. You don't control the entire uh organization of how this ventilator is made and the ventilator fails and people die. See what I mean? And now you're in trouble and they're going to sue everybody all over. And you have to make sure two things that you're well, among others, that you have limited your liability somehow, maybe just a simple pop-up screen where people click agree would be a great idea. Number two, that you carry great insurance to cover this. And in this case, we're talking probably about a type of insurance called errors and omissions insurance to cover this. And, and while we're on the subject, if you carry insurance, you've got to go make sure that a pandemic is covered in your insurance coverage and it is not listed in the exclusions. And everybody's got to be careful because one of my concerns is everybody's going to get these little tiny pieces of paper from their insurance companies that says we're updating your insurance policy to get rid of pandemics. So, so be on the lookout. Cause I think that's coming. Mark, it's time to hear from, you said you were going to give us some, uh, a set of examples. So this would be a good time to oh. share that. Oh, of the clauses. Yeah. So number one, 
I'm going to give you a kind of, we'll call it the old fashioned one paragraph act of God force majeure clause. And you'll see it. You'll see the words act of God in there. It's about a paragraph long. Uh, if that's still in your contract, your contract is outdated. And I hope the one thing this pandemic has taught you is contracts are living, breathing documents, and you have to update your contract for the current age and the, you know, the real world. Second one is I will show you what we'll call the modern force majeure clause. It divides things into two categories and removes the acts of God language. So it will say, here's what is force majeure, here's what is not force majeure. The third type I'm going to give you is kind of my new suggestion, which actually includes very specific pandemic language. So you'll see like a bullet point in that, and it'll have pandemic in there. It'll be even more detailed than number two. So you can be anywhere on that spectrum of the three. Excellent. And we will make those available. We'll put them on the, uh, on the website. So uh, there'll be a link on the podcast page to them. Great. Excellent. So what are the lessons learned from this? Are there any others? And you mentioned that there might be other things besides force majeure that we may be learning from what we're going through right now. Yeah, I, I will tell you, I'm going back and when I first went to law school and I, I did contracts, I thought you write a contract and you're done, but you got to remember that contracts are living, breathing documents. You, and they're running right now. Your terms of your contract are running. Your scopes of work are running. And so first thing you got to do is I'm worried about the term of your contract. Some contracts are automatically being renewed. Some contracts need 90 day notice if you're going to cancel or change it. Some contracts are ending. So I'm worried about the term of your contracts and hopefully everybody has a system, kind of tickler system that keeps track of that. But that would be the first thing that I'm looking for. Number two, there's a clause in contracts called indemnity. Okay. One of the things, particularly say in my uh, food service industries is you have the right to go to your suppliers and ask them to kind of make an affidavit that they are kind of still in business. It's called an affidavit of continuing indemnity. We are still operating. We are still meeting FDA standards. We're still doing all of the quality things that we need to do. And for some of your critical suppliers in some industries, that may be a very nice thing to do. Number three, Go, this is a great time to check your insurance clauses in your contracts. I'm less worried about your insurance and more worried about your uh, customer's insurance or your supplier's insurance, the other ends of the supply chain. Because what I don't want is a supplier to have no insurance right now, something go wrong, and they're coming after me because I'm the next one in the food chain. And so I would go take a look at all of your insurance clauses so that you are, uh, they're all up to date and your suppliers are up to date. And then finally, I think everybody needs a new set of policies and procedures for pandemics, much like we're all working so hard right now on data security and GDPR and all of this stuff. And I think we need I think what's going to happen is we're going to actually end up maybe with a pandemic addendum. Who knows what we're going to do, but it's a really easy fix for companies right now to put a pandemic section in their policies and procedures. Bill. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Marcus, 
Uh, one of the things that's pretty interesting, and I just want some some quick uh, quick advice, is some of the suppliers won't make it out of this period of time where they're shut down with no income. Um, what what advice do you have for people to, to, to look at? So there's, I always take my sub suppliers and put them into a couple of different categories. So if they are your sole source, if they are your favorite and you're in love with your supplier, if the supplier provides you with key personnel, Joe, who you cannot afford to lose, you have to treat those suppliers carefully. Those, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I have a client, they have a key person, Joe. They don't want to lose Joe. Even though no business is occurring right now, they are paying to make sure Joe stays theirs during this period of force majeure because one thing that can potentially happen is you can lose your key person. So they're paying to keep this person on standby. They're paying the contract price. There's some where you have multiple suppliers and they're widgets. And then if one goes out of business, what you really need is to make sure that we have protected ourselves to make sure other suppliers are available to us and we can go to them. So I think it depends on what kind of contract you have and what situation you're in. Well, uh, we've certainly learned a lot and uh, we may bring you back when we have a little more clarity on when force majeure might be ending. Um, because certainly every contract, uh, every supply contract out there right now is uh, somebody's looking at it uh, a second time, I'll guess. So thank you very much, Mark Greco. Thank you for having me. And Bill, always a pleasure. Thanks, Bob. This has been Global Sourcing Insights from SIPS. I'm Bob Rossback. Join us again whenever you can. We're only a mouse click away. Good day.